typically get hung up on is this entering part. They trained it, you know, they've, they've yeah. got the husband go down, <laughs> they trapped the hawk, they know, uh, but they can't get it entered. They can't figure out a way to, you know, to do that. And um, so there's some prerequisites to that. Welcome to the Wilderness Wonders Podcast, episode two. Today we have a very special guest with us named Matthew Molinix. He is a falconer and author and has written four books with four falconry fundamentals being one of his most popular. We were able to catch him on his book tour and we had a wonderful discussion about the principles of falconry. Also, this episode is brought to you by Mike's Falconry. On your next purchase of $50 or more, be sure to use the code WILDERNESS, W-I-L-D-E-R-N-E-S-S, and you can get 5% off your order. So without further ado, let's get right into it. our wilderness wonders this is our second ever episode and we get to have actually I'll let you introduce yourself and we can of course go from there yeah so uh, so I'm Matt Mullinex um, and I am uh, a falconer from Baton Rouge Louisiana uh, I have uh, written a couple of falconry books uh, one that's uh, the most popular is American Kestrels and Modern Falconry uh, been out for a while, but I have a new one uh, that I just put out, Four Falconry Fundamentals, and uh, and I'm sort of taking a little hawking trip slash uh, book tour slash, uh, you know, social distance, uh, you know, um, nightmare trip around the country um, to uh, to sort of help promote the book and um, and, uh, and spread the word about it. That is awesome. Uh, it sounds like a really fun trip. Do you make this trip every year, or is it? I make a I make a I make a Thanksgiving hawking trip every oh, year. Thanksgiving hawking yeah. trip, and I usually go uh, to see good friends of ours in uh, in Amarillo, Texas, and mm-hmm. um, and we have a great time. But uh, due to this year's uh, you know unprecedented yeah pandemic situation, um, giant uh, Thanksgiving gatherings are just not to be done. So yeah, it's it's uh, been really interesting this year. But what have been what's been uh, your favorite spots so far? Have you well, been talking so at all uh, yet? Yeah, um, I had a couple of objectives for the trip, and um, and seeing Harry McElroy is, is uh, one of them. So he, you know, you as you know, um, he's sort of the grand old man of American falconry, yeah. <laughs> and uh, desert hawking being um, the the first of his series of sort of related books uh, about mostly hunting quail and in the in his uh, desert habitat, yeah. and and these were the first books uh you know the first you know sort of american author that uh, that i had read that really wrote about practical falconry you know mm-hmm. kind of the good the bad and the ugly and, and in plain language and less of a um how falconry is supposed to happen and more about how falconry actually happens mm-hmm. and um with the goal of catching game and so marrying these two ideas that you you know it's it, you, that you should be catching game uh but it's Absolutely. not but, but it's not textbook ever and the dogs don't work right, and the hawk doesn't work right, and sometimes you got to hood them upside down. And, um, <laughs> and my friend and, had to do that to his deer falcon once. It was hanging like a bat, and he hooded it. <laughs> yeah. No. I, well, you don't see a picture of that in no, a, in a book, not except, too often. Except in Desert Hawking. So, 
Um, and you know, and, and even Harry would say this is not the you know the pinnacle of falconry, but this is how you know, frankly, falconry happens a lot. Mm -hmm. So um, anyway, it was refreshing, and he's been somebody I have followed, and has been a mentor uh, to me. So I wanted to see him. He's um, you know, in, in maybe one of his last years of, of hawking, um, mm -hmm. uh, and he hawks kind of on a grand scale, uh, uh, horseback with uh, with long wing uh, on quail and big desert country. It's really impressive what, to what see. Kind, what birds is he flying? Well, he flies uh, this year uh, an Aplomato uh, deer falcon. Uh, I've been dreaming yeah. of an Aplomato, actually. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, they're fantastic birds and super awesome. engaging. Um, and he flies uh, this typical style uh, is uh, is falcons off the fist, mm -hmm. and he kind of lets them you know do whatever they want to. They end up coming and landing on his head, and he and he's riding, um, and then when the dogs get on point, then the chase begins. And uh, awesome. it's very so, free form. Awesome. So he still flies them kind of like dirt he's, dirt hawking. It's yeah. still like dirt hawking. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. awesome. Um, and uh, and he and he flies uh, you know Harris hawks and Cooper's hawks uh, also. Most of desert hawking is Harris hawks, mm -hmm. Cooper's hawks, and then Aplomato falcons also. So these are the kind of birds that he really likes. Um, so his, seeing him, giving him a copy of the book, which is you know sort of basic uh, hunting principles that uh, that yeah. I learned in part from from Harry's books, and uh, and have you know replicated in my own falconry career. Um, and wanted him to have a copy of it, and just to hear from me that you know what a big fan I am, and, uh, and that's how, awesome. And how you know how much. Of a, uh, <laughs> it's kind of fun meeting your heroes or oh, the people that you've looked up to. Absolutely. I think it's always a blast. Absolutely, and um, we, we don't we don't take the opportunity to do that, and we should. Um, but so he so I so I saw Harry went hunting with Harry, gave him a book. All that was great. I saw um, my friend Lauren McGow, mm -hmm. um, who's uh, the Eagle Falconer lady, and oh yeah, uh, very popular Eagle Falconer. Yeah, so she's <laughs> she's fantastic, uh, the PhD anthropologist, and um, and 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 obviously engaged uh, in eagles. And we we caught her, uh, her bird's first jack for the season. Oh, that's uh, awesome! Then it was a fantastic, you know, morning. Just just the right number of you know real close calls, like five super close slips and big yeah. clouds of dust and then a connection uh, that is so, so that's got to be so exciting yeah <laughs> um and then uh, uh the smiths and uh and uh, charlie and pam and uh, just a wonderful little group of people that live right there in kingman and uh, in the middle of this gorgeous country um lots of game and um although they probably won't want me to say that just don't come there's no game it's terrible <laughs> there's, nothing there. awful. there's nothing there um <laughs> But uh, but I really enjoyed that, and then um, and it just turns happens that the, coming through Salt Lake is the uh, fastest way to get to Sheridan, uh, where my where my publisher is, and so awesome. So that leg of this trip. Well, I'm glad you came through Salt Lake. I was able to oh, I'm chat so, with you real quick. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Glad to uh, glad to glad to have the opportunity. Uh, Great. Well, let's go ahead and rewind just a little bit yeah. and talk about what actually got you started in falconry or or got you started in wildlife or animals yeah, in general. So, well, like a lot of falconers, um, you know, I, I, I always was outside, always was picking up bugs and snakes and, <laughs> you know, I had, uh, as a kid, uh, pet tarantulas uh, were, were yeah. my thing and uh, always bringing home, you know, turtles and whatever else I found. And, um, when I was uh, 13, uh, I was coming home on the bus and saw a little group of kids in the in the next bus stop from mine, and they were poking a stick at something. And so I, you know, curious, got off and flushed the kids away. And, and it was a little uh, baby screech owl. And this was in in Panama, Republic of Panama, uh, where mm -hmm. my dad was stationed at the time. And um, 
at that time there were you know there's uh, no federal Panamanian you know uh, regulations and uh, wouldn't have known about them anyway at 13 and and scooped up the the baby owl and uh, took it to veterinarian neighbor and kind of got started that way. Um, eventually they sent me more birds and asked me if I wanted a hawk and I had already you know read all about falconry and, uh, <laughs> and uh, so I got a I got a, a broad-winged hawk that was a rehab bird but it what species uh, a broad-winged uh, so oh a that budio, is the yeah, species yeah oh, okay. uh, budio platypteris it's um it's a it's a it's a small booty it looks just like a tiny red tail oh interesting and, um you know like 300 to 400 grams and um <laughs> that's really small yeah they're super small super but they're built exactly the same as a little red tail and they're, they're real cool. com real common and they migrate the whole population migrates to south america every year and they migrate through panama um that's cool and so a lot of them in their first year don't make it and this was one of those that was starving to death essentially um but uh but we had a little, uh, very tame uh, bird called a clay-colored robin in mm -hmm. Panama, and uh, and that's what he caught. Uh, so uh, so I trained him and flew him a little bit, um, not very successfully, but but able to make it on your first kill, you know, and then for the rest of your life you're just so. So you were you were able to have success with yes. your first bird that you had. Yeah, I mean, you know, it was nothing to write home about, mm -hmm. but uh, considering that you know you. You got one library book to, to go on. Yeah, um, that's seriously impressive. There's, I mean, there's plenty of falconers out there today, apprentice falconers who struggle so hard to just catch anything their first year or don't catch anything yeah. for the first two years. Um, and they even have, you know, they have sponsors trying to guide them and they still right. struggle. Right. So that's super awesome that you had such a positive experience just learning about it or figuring it out on your own. Right. Did you have animal training experience before that or was this like your first animal you've ever it was tried a, to yeah, train? It was, you know, um, yeah, I guess it would, it would it, it, besides dogs, you know, dogs. we had dogs as, uh, as a kid, but um, I, I do remember the first time, you know, letting it go and uh taking it off the line and, and and you know and not even having no there wasn't a sponsor i had nobody yeah. so um having to figure out you know what should what should i do if it goes and sits in a tree which is exactly what it did and not come down which is exactly what it did <laughs> um but finally you know came down to this crude uh leather lure that i had built for it and um and we just kind of progressed from there but 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 your point about you know apprentices and first first year uh, people you know not being able to catch game or yeah um, or, or see it done or, or be able to put put together the you know the the uh, the, the fundamentals of, of falconry which you know of which they're, they're not a zillion of them right so um, part of the reason f for the book is to sort of spell those things out to help people uh, to you know put the put everything together um, with the with the with the goal of catching game and, um, and i think know, a lot of us forget well some falconers or people in general who see falconry forget that it is also it, i mean it is a hunting sport that's right. that's what it all surrounds right. exactly is right. hunting you pursue yeah. wild game yeah and it's of course there's more than that now yeah i mean it is it is it's not that it isn't the beauty of the flight it's not mm -hmm. that it isn't the camaraderie in the field mm -hmm. of your friends it's not that it isn't uh, conservation. It's not that it isn't, you know, bird watching. It's all of those things, uh, but it's a hunting sport. Yep. And uh, and 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 if you, you know, if you're not 
hunting with your hawk, you're doing, you know, abatement, or you're doing education, or you're doing yeah. something else. And those are also great things. Yeah, I think they're uh, fantastic. But, but you know, to, to pursue falconry is to hunt uh, mm -hmm. with a bird of prey. And, um, and, 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 and to the extent that that's your goal, which as a falcon, it should be your goal, um, you know, there, there, there are a set number of, uh, of sort of prerequisites that you have to have. And so, yeah. you know, um, what we spell out there are that there'd be four of them, you know, so you got prey base, essentially, you know, do you have enough game uh, yeah. to hunt where you are? And that's the first consideration. Uh, not, not what kind of hawk you want, not, you know, what kind of falconry you want to be, but do you, do you have game where, where mm -hmm. you are? And then you, you kind of build your falconry based on that one thing. Absolutely. Pick the quarry and pick then the, pick the quarry and, and then and get the hawk or yeah. falcon of what fits that quarry. Right. Exactly. Best. And, and, and a lot of, it. I mean, like, uh, you may have in mind a, a, a quarry that happens to be rare. Um, well, this is going to work against you immediately. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> it takes a lot of whatever you're after to, to catch. Um, so there's, you know, prey base, husbandry, you know, um, are, are, you, are you keeping the hawk well? Um, yeah. And when people call, you, you, if you've been around Falconry long enough, people start to know your name and they call you and they say, hey, look, I, I know you've done uh, well with this species. Um, Mine's not coming along. I'm just not not connecting. We're not catching game, but like we're almost there, but we're not doing it. And so I've had a lot of these conversations with people, and it turns out that there's a pattern to failure. There's mm -hmm. a pattern to how people, uh, you know, fail to succeed at falconry if, if success is defined as catching game. And um, and so, you know, prey baits. They don't have enough of the prey that they want to hunt, or they don't know what they want to hunt, or they don't, you know, they've never seen it hunted before, so they don't even know how to how to do it. Uh, husbandry and not you know not the width of the flange on the jess right like yeah. that's never going to be the difference between catching a rabbit and not catching yeah a rabbit. but 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 are the talons sharp do you you know are you keeping the feathers intact uh, do you have the right food for the bird these are sort of basic things hydrated well fed yeah. enough and maybe you're flying it with way too low weight things right, like that right um so uh you know so the husbandry component uh, yeah. is real important uh recall uh, which is, you know, sort of a, a term I use to be all-encompassing, you know, training. Uh, and uh, and does the bird understand what you want it to do? Um, but but, you know, broadly speaking, a lot of people will call, and you realize after talking to them, the bird does not come back. Like literally, there's no recall. Like it, you know, <laughs> that's the problem. Is that you know, not only can it not does the bird not come back to them when they need it, but they can't get it in position to you know to hunt game. Uh, which leads to the fourth fundamental, which is slip management. And this is really hard for people, especially apprentices who've never seen falconry done. Um, or maybe they don't come from a hunting background. Um, but there's kind of a physics to hunting. There's a, you know, height advantage, there's speed advantage, there's, there's physical size. Um, there's all these sort of, you know, very physical components to hunting that, uh, that you need to be able to break apart and, and see what, uh, see what components you might be missing. Mm -hmm. And uh, how do you set up a slip so you have enough game? But how do you how do you put the hawk in position to to catch it? Is your hawk fast enough? Is the is the prey close enough to cover or too far? Or, you know, or you know, you need it to be far enough away uh, mm -hmm. that the hawk can catch it before it gets to cover. Um, and uh, and this sort of field craft component is usually takes the longest for people to learn. And a lot of people start in falconry without even thinking about hunting. You know, they're really concentrating on the bird. I just need a bird on my fist. Mm -hmm. And that's... Or a bird just to fly to you. Or I a think. bird just to fly yeah, to you. And these are, like I, you know, I say in the book, this, cool. is, this is not a, a, um, 
an accomplishment that a lot of people are even capable of. So mm -hmm. it's not a terrible thing that you've got this bird that you've trained to come to you. This you've got <laughs> yep. a wild hawk that's coming to you, and that's a fantastic thing. And, and I would have to agree, like the first time that it happened with me, it was such a magic moment. Yes. And, and it's so cool yes. that this animal flies to you, and then you, you get so wrapped up in it that when you get out into the field, you start, it flies away, oh, I'll just put a tibbit on and it flies right back. And, right. and then and then now that bird's not focused on hunting, but he's focused on yeah. your hand. So you can, right, so, <laughs> so I talk about that, about, yeah. um, about overtraining and, uh, and entering. Oh yeah. And this, um, you know, this, this idea that between recall and slip management, the, there's there's entering right like that is the yeah. actual you know activity that needs to happen after you've trained it but before you set up a slip and um, you know what one of the things that I try to explain in the in the book is um, is this idea that we tend to train hawks like we learn things in school you know one step at a time you master one step you go to the next step you master that step you go to the next step when when really hawks are not they don't operate that way, and neither do we. We're, we're sort of more holistic learners. You can learn two or three things at once. You can learn something once by looking at it. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not it's not necessary that you have to, um, you know, really hammer one thing until it's mastered, and then go to the next thing. So, so this is a, a part of falconry that uh, that apprentices or, or novices typically get hung up on is this entering part. They trained it. You know, they've, they've yeah. got the husband go down, they've trapped the hawk, they know, uh, but they can't get it entered. They can't figure out a way to, you know, to do that. And um, so there's some prerequisites to that. It's, you know, um, weight management uh, recall, but then, you know, sort of bleeding into how do I, how do I find a good slip for it? Yeah. And, um, I feel like that's the hardest part in falconry is going from your training, like in your backyard or park, and then you're trying to get it to catch game. Yes. And that that, that little bit can be the most difficult right. struggle of right. all of, you and know, trying to be a successful falconer. Yeah, so, and, and the answer to that struggle, that problem, um, as, as I've always thought about it, is that we don't think of the end product. The end product is a trained hawk, right? The yep. end product is, is, is a hawk that you go pick up on game. Um, and, and, and because we don't think backwards like that, we don't think with the end goal in mind, mm -hmm. we, we think you know, stepwise up to that goal, um, we don't know it when we see it. And so, you know, I can tell you from experience, it's possible to enter a bird on the first day, right? And it, and it, and it, and it should be fairly easy mm -hmm. to do that. You know, if you've got enough game, if you have in your mind a picture of the end product, then you will have been training the bird uh, in that direction all the way. And a little bit of your, yeah. of your discussion with, with Steve, uh, in the first podcast, uh, kind of touched on that about his 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 point being, as I took it, that um, that the hunting was more important. He, he clearly has an idea in his head of what the end product of that hunt looks yeah. like, and and so training to the drone is for him, uh, you know, a diversion, right? Like yeah. going off in a different direction, and uh, and that can happen not just with drones, but with with any sort of training. Mm -hmm. um, and so keeping this idea in mind, you want a red tail catches rabbit, right? Uh, and you want a red tail that lets you walk up to it and pick it up on, on game. Um, so in order for that to happen, you've got to have the field already in mind. You've got to have a place that's got enough rabbits. bird's got to come to you when you call it, where then you just take it to the field that's got enough rabbits. It comes mm -hmm. to you when you call it, put it in a tree, start flushing. So your first day of entering, Have a plan of what your, of what your first day should exactly look right. like, exactly and that's right. what you want to try to, and, to work towards. And that's towards. where we fail, is that we don't, have a, we, don't, we don't use our imagination mm -hmm. to 
to, to picture that first day and realize, okay, if I want this to happen, these are the things that need mm -hmm. that I need to have up front. Yeah. Um, and uh, and you think the bird's just going to do all this for you? It, it just doesn't. You know, if you, you can overtrain it where it's just looking at you, but then you realize that a, you know, trained hawk doesn't just look at you. A trained hawk flies off the fist, goes to a tree, starts looking for rabbits, mm -hmm. and waits for you to come in, you know, start flushing for it. Absolutely. That's that, the setup that you're trying to create. Yeah, it reminds me of my, my first, compared to my second year, my first year passage hawk, I did struggle getting it started on game, and it took a while, and, and I didn't visualize that end goal. I eventually did get him hunting rabbits when I got when I figured out how to get him into a better position to find them. Mm -hmm. And right. but then my second year, since I knew what that position was when I had a new passage on my second year, uh, first free flight after about three weeks of training, mm -hmm. uh, took her out for the first free flight. She caught a rabbit on her second slip, yeah. and and it was just all about getting her in the proper position where exactly. my first year he I, I couldn't really figure out how to get him in the proper right. position and I think some of that does also come from experiences knowing sure where the best position is right. or maybe where the best right. spots are right uh, and 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 there's no substitute for experience like mm -hmm. you, you really you got to have that you know you got to have that failure uh, mm -hmm. in order to, to know how to set yourself up to succeed oh yeah and I definitely learned a lot from it <laughs> right. no of course and you and that's you know the thing about falconry is that for all the successes there's you know a dozen failures Oh and, yeah, um, and that never stops. I mean, you'll you know, you'll you know, ruin the suspense for you, uh, <laughs> and tell you you're going to be failing. You know, even at Harry McElroy's uh, age, and <laughs> um, and he'll be happy to say that that just means he's in the field. You know, doing the yeah. thing that he loves. Um, but but so you learned in your first year uh, through you know through through missing the mark. Yep. What, what you succeeded in, in the second year, um, almost immediately. <laughs> yes. Well, you but you. You know, it's helpful to know yeah. going into it. Okay, that look, slip management's important, right? Like I'm gonna need, you know, I don't know what position means, but I know yeah. I need it. Yeah. Um, and that bird, you know, I don't know what a good position would be for this field. I don't know how the game is gonna work the field. I don't know how, if I've got two people, how that's different than just myself. Um, you know, making a little pincher maneuver to push the rabbits out in the open, maybe on a, um, a little narrow strip of, of, uh, of a fence post, you know, yeah. fence line. And, uh, and and trying to reduce the options for the prey while you increase the options for the hawk. Absolutely. Right? Basically, you're trying to stack up advantages for your hawk and reduce the advantages yeah. for the prey. And, and there's also a lot of trust. I've noticed there's a lot of trust between like the falconer and and their bird. Uh, I notice it with my red tail. Uh, I have to trust that she's setting herself up in the right position at times. Yeah. If she wants to leave my tea perch and go up into a tree, I want to trust that she's setting herself up for success. Right. And a lot of times I'll start walking and I'll walk around the tree and, and all of a sudden I scare a jackrabbit right. or a cottontail for her to chase right. and she loves right. it. And then other times she puts her whole trust in me and decides I don't want to be in those trees, I'd rather be on your tea perch because right. that provides me the better advantage. Right. Right. And And so it's kind of like this trust that I love that we built with each other and I don't think we gained that trust on the first day we went hunting mm -hmm. that was built after making sure that she was provided slip after slip after right. slip dozens right. and dozens of slips later it built this whole trust where I can just trust her that she'll set herself up and then she can just 
trust me that I'll set herself up if she's not having success where she is. Well, so what you're describing, I think, is a, is a, is a kind of a mutual understanding. Yeah. Right? So this, uh, and this conversation that happens where she follows you sometimes, you follow her sometimes, but you both have the same goal and you Absolutely. understand that goal. And I think, um, although, you know, that, that goal is, is kind of at its pinnacle in the field where you're hunting and you really can't substitute anything for that except for that hunt mm -hmm. experience, you can start the communication from day one. And that's just by being uh, by being very consistent, you know, with with the way you present the food, with the way you pick the bird up, with the way that um, that you behave, with the timing of your uh, of your feeding, with the timing of your weighing, with the, uh, you know when you when you set a set schedule for the hawk yep. uh, that the hawk learns to understand, then that's like the first couple of words that you both understand, you know. So you're building this language that's gonna that's gonna uh, and that's gonna lead to trust. Um, and it'll lead to trust that is going to have immediate return on your investment in the field. Um, so that, you know, that I would I would say can start on day one. You know? and, I, and that's pretty that's a pretty common thing that goes across all animals in general. I mean, even humans, uh, animals tend to be creatures of habit. They yes. like things to remain the same thing every exactly day. Right. Um, they love routine and they love knowing what to expect. Right. And so, trying to share that consistent story with the bird that you're working with. Yes. Right. And they've got, you know, they've got no success. frame of reference for you mm -hmm. unless you give them a frame of reference, right? And they, they are creatures of habit and they do understand habit. So, if you show them a habit, they get it. Like yep. they, they, they get you and they start to trust you based on that. And, and I think, you know, I've always thought it, it's really no different than. Uh, meeting somebody that you know has no uh, you know cultural association with you doesn't speak the language you know raised in a different part of the world and you try to uh, you know uh, start a car together you know or, or do yeah. you know some sort of complex thing where you have to get from point A to point B how are you going to do that how do you, you know first of all you have to um, establish some kind of lines of communication maybe the first communication is I'm not going to kill you right and that's <laughs> that's sort of like when you trap a wild hawk you have to convince them okay first thing I'm not going to do is, is hurt you. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, second thing is I'm going to show up at the same time every day. I'm going to feed you at the same time every day. It's going to be the same kind of good food, you know, every day. You're just going to build on these on these mutual understandings. Um, and, and then uh, and then your hawk, it doesn't even take too long for the hawk to get excited no. for them to, Absolutely. I mean, only a few days and then, right. and then they're stoked to see you and, right. <laughs> and right. ready to eat and yeah. train and... I mean, the thing that... Yeah, that it's that, great. That, that a hawk really doesn't like that that is the same thing you you would really not like is not knowing yeah is being in a condition where you're you're you're, you're constrained like you're not where you you think you should be you're not anywhere that you've ever been before and you have no idea what's going on yeah you know every single day every single moment is stressful because you have no idea and so even a little bit of control that you give the bird you know to understand that I'm gonna this guy's gonna show up again at this time and he's gonna mm -hmm. do exactly the same thing as he did before um, you know, hawks really respond well to that, uh, just Absolutely. because I think it just takes the stress out of it. Yeah, that that can be applied to all all animals in general yeah. too. I mean, especially even like dogs. Dogs yes. love to have that consistent. Right. You you said you hunt with using the dog using dogs as well, right? Yes. Right. So, um, uh, so I've last last two uh, dogs I've had for their their whole lifetime. You know, sixteen year careers. Um, are whippets, which um, you know a lot of people are using sight hounds now uh, with yeah. uh, with their birds of prey, which is great. It's an ancient, you know, uh, cooperative behavior. I've heard of whippets being used for for flushing rabbits and, and yeah. birds. Yeah, so it turns out they're they're pretty versatile little dogs, and um, 
and you know, funny enough, I, I have always used mine to flush sparrows. Uh, awesome for the for the for, for my hawks and uh, and they <laughs> end up doing that very well. While well, you can you can still chase squirrels with them and, and rabbits, but uh, but when we go, they act more like a spaniel, uh, <laughs> you know, than a sighthound. But um, but yeah, so they in whippets in particular, I kind of think of as the the most hawk-like of the dogs. And then if you've got a Harris that you're flying, you're flying the most dog-like of the hawks. Yeah, and they make a really good pair. Uh, That's awesome. Yeah, so. Um, so I, I have enjoyed that and um. how do you how do you go about say you know entering a hawk and a dog getting get it you know we were just talking about how the hawk getting them to that result that we want them right, to be at right. how do you go about doing that for the dog and the hawk together because yeah that just sounds so complicated whenever right. I think about right. it well uh, you know the the way I manage a complication like that is to is to try to get the animals to do as much of the work as possible. And in order to do that, you got to figure out what motivates them, right? And it, it turns out that that at least for the sighthounds, which are pretty s simplistic, they're pretty predator type animals. I mean, mm -hmm. there's not a lot of complicated training in a sighthound. Um, they pretty much come on board with what they need. They like to chase things. They like to catch things. They like to eat things, mm -hmm. um, which is pretty hawk-like in its you know in its outlook. Um, so what I you know do with the with the with the sighthounds when they're puppies is uh, is basically give them opportunities to chase and catch things, um, and then make sure that they really like to do that, which they immediately do. And um, but you know for the for the day that you that you put them together, there's actually quite a bit of uh, literature about that about how do you introduce them. And and some people say well, you know if you introduce them too early, the hawk and the dog they'll they won't be able to communicate with each other. They they won't trust each other. Uh, it might you know the hawk might be scared of the dog. The dog might run in. Main thing you need to do. I think I've seen more dogs terrified of the hawks. <laughs> yeah, well, it, but that's just as bad a problem, yeah, really. Yeah, it definitely uh, I is. I mean, they really need to under both understand what the goal is. Mm -hmm. um, and so I figure uh, that the relationship is mutual. Yeah, and they, and it'll grow. They like they get they get to understand each other better. Is it? Is, and and they actually I think understand each other more quickly than people in the hawks do. I mean, okay. the hawks and dogs really do figure themselves out pretty quick. But I like to at least have caught six head, you know, six to ten head with the hawk before you bring the dog into it. And uh, and the dog, you know, so I'm not a, you know, I consider myself a dog trainer at all. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, probably couldn't train a pointing dog to save my life. <laughs> um, and what, you know, what, what Steve does with his dogs is amazing. But with a sighthound, it's, it, it just has to stop. And, and for most falconry dogs, you know, regardless of the breed, the only thing they really need to do is stop when you tell them to stop. And yeah. whether it's, you know, whoa, or, or stop, or, 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 you know, start Stop or, or come yeah, whenever right. they need to. It's got to stop doing what it's doing and, and not move. Because that's the really, you know, it's the one thing that, uh, that, that's going to ruin your falconry is the dog keeps going. And mm -hmm. that means, you know, you got to stop it from flushing too early. You got to stop it from running in on the hawk while it's on the game. You got to stop it from running over to a car. Um, stop is important. Yeah. So, so I, I part of the reason I actually ask is uh, seven days ago, exactly a week ago, I brought home a lab English pointer, uh, a two-year-old lab English pointer. Yeah. Um, and she's very good at using her nose, which I I really love. We've yeah. already been doing exercises of of looking for rabbits and finding the rabbits and her right. getting a reward for them right, and right. and and dragging a lure around for her to chase and she loves doing that yeah um and 
and I and she's very she's a pretty obedient dog in general and she learns very quickly how would you I mean it's a selfish question but I think this is a cool example uh, even for people listening is how how do you think I should go about getting this dog and my hawk into the field they've already seen each other quite a bit yeah. I've and and the dog is starting is learning to respect the hawk's space the hawk is learning to to not fear the dog and that's going well um, so from there how would I go about entering them into the field together well so it, it, it depends a little bit on your goal you know okay. like what, and, and, and and so like we were speaking before you know having in mind what what is what's what's like the best possible you know outcome for you and and, and picture that in your head of what, what what you imagine that that partnership to look like and then make sure that you're not you know doing anything that's sort of in an opposite direction of that um, but but for the and, and some of that's going to evolve um, the main thing is for the hawks are very serious and the dogs are not always very serious mm -hmm. hawks you know hawks want to hunt and there's not a whole lot else going on in a hawk's head but yeah. wanting to hunt and anything that distracts from that is going to annoy the hawk um, and is and is going to work against you if the dog is not serious about hunting if, if, if the dog doesn't really know what its purpose is um, then you might need to work on the dog first and make sure that you've got some sort of communication with the dog that ends in the in a dead rat essentially like does the dog know how to hunt? And if the dog knows how to hunt, uh, I mean real hunt, not not some trained behavior that you yeah. that you've given it. Uh, to, again, to use Steve's, not 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 going to the drone, right? But yeah, actually, right? actually hunt a real hunt. Get get them get them on uh, live quarry as soon as. But not just able, live quarry, kinda. actual wild game, right? Yeah. Like, like hunt it, like yeah. make that a useful dog in hunting. Um, and it doesn't have to mean that you go shoot shoot rabbits or whatever. It just means that if you want it to flush, that you go out and you flush a couple of rabbits with it, and you encourage Absolutely. it, you know, for him doing that, and and he likes it, and he kind of until he gets the picture um, that you you let him out, and he goes and he mm -hmm. finds and flushes rabbits, and um, and then stops. So flush okay. a rabbit, chase a rabbit, stop when you yell at him. It's so it's great to really make sure that you have your your dog doing or your dog knows how to or understands the task at hand yes. pretty well, has a good grasp of it, um, and also your hawk knowing the task at hand, because you right. said uh, yeah, so let, make sure that it's caught a few things before yes. and introducing your, the your dog. Hawk, the hawk that you're using is not brand new, right? Is this No, she, well, I caught her in September, but she's okay. caught 14 okay. rabbits so yeah, far. So I, I she's doing excellent. Yes. I'm not worried about the hawk, right. mostly just right. about the dog. So, so being able to control yeah. the dog then is the, is the advice I would give you. Make sure, awesome. make sure you can control the dog. And, um, you know, and, and if you have to have the dog on a leash the whole time, then probably you don't have enough control over the dog to make mm -hmm. it work. You really, the dog needs to be able to be controlled off leash. Yeah. Um, and that's really, again, whoa, you know. And that is my, that is my goal. Yeah. I do want her off leash. Um, and I do plan on using an e-collar. To kind of extend that communication, yeah. Um, or Although, as a communication you know, if the dog works close, tool, uh, tool yeah. It it kind of all depends. Right. <laughs> so right. we're but still just, feeling it out. You know, keep 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 in mind what you want. It, it, it would really be helpful if um, you know within your circle of falconry uh, friends and the people that you know online. If there's somebody who's doing what you, you know, kind of similar dog or the same type of dog, same quarry, same hawk, and and actually getting it done. Mm -hmm. That's the person you need to talk to. Absolutely. Right, and, uh, <laughs> and go out hunting with them. 
Awesome. See it, see it in action and see how often he yells at the dog, see, it, see how often the dog comes back to him, see, just get your, get your mental picture of what it should look like and then work toward that. Um, basically, and I, I talk about this a little bit in the book, you're, rather than training specifically a whole bunch of behaviors that you hope will come together eventually, basically avoid the things that are wrong and let the, and let the right behaviors emerge. You know, it's just a different approach. It's, uh, it's about having the picture in your head of the, of, the, of, the, of the outcome that you want. And don't do the things that don't look like that, mm -hmm. right? And, and, and it's, it makes a pretty fast way to train stuff because basically a, a lot of animals will come almost half trained anyway. As long as you don't need it to do the thing that you don't need to train it to do, <laughs> yeah. right? Then you don't have to worry about that part. You mm -hmm. know, if, it, if, the bird, if the dog follows you, is looking at you, but also is gamey and is going out. But when when you say "come on," it, it circles back around. That's mm -hmm. you're already you know eighty percent there. there. Right. Oh, even so, more. <laughs> yeah, even more than that. Um, and uh, so it's really just it's the main thing about falconry, about dog training, about um, so much of these things that we do that are very complex and involve a lot of different animals is is having an idea in your head of how it should work, and then sort of following your instincts to get there. Mm -hmm. um, Anyways, it's, yeah, it's it's so interesting. We we love working with the birds of prey. We love seeing our birds of prey hunt, and and then we're like, oh, well, let's let's introduce a dog, or or with Harris's, let's hunt with two at the same time, and you yeah. up that complexity. Right. And, and I think some think that we do it just so that we can catch the game or catch the rabbits. When personally, it's nothing about trying to get as many rabbits as possible, or or killing rabbits or or um, whatever other quarry other people are doing uh, it's the whole experience that's yeah. really really fun well so I would say to, to that that I, I yeah. totally agree that that the that, that, it, that it enhances the experience and and there's a there's a tradition that that I've read in, in books uh, that the, you know the French say you can't be a master falconer until you have trained a dog and a hawk to work together and that's you know kind of sort of their rule of thumb uh, meaning meaning really that you know that's one thing to train hawks and it's one thing to train dogs but when you get them together that's when you really at the pinnacle mm -hmm. of falconry um, and I and the experience of having those different animals in the field and the different kinds of partnership is really wonderful but if the dog is not helping you produce game yeah. for the it, it should actually produce more game right like you should you shouldn't have a dog if the dog is not if it's working against you, right? Yeah. Like so, I can tell you um, that having a dog for hunting small birds increases the number of small birds you can catch, right? It increases the number of, of quail that you can catch. Uh, there's some types of hunting you cannot do without a dog. You Absolutely. just you physically cannot do it. And well, with Steve Chingren, it, it would be near. It would be you, you, so difficult to yes. find those grouse. Right. So, uh, so those are the things where. It's not just an aesthetic, you know, pleasing yeah. experience. It's essential. That so, yeah, in some hunting, it is and, essential. Um, I agree. And you know, once you're, it's like it's a bad, it's a good problem to have. You know, oh, I'm catching <laughs> too many, too many head of game. Right? <laughs> I can pull it back a little bit. I can, you know, I can do things that are make it a, more of a challenge for me. But get there first, right? Like, yeah. Like before you, before you decide that it's just an aesthetic experience, go ahead and, and start catching game and mm -hmm. and be successful, and then decide how successful you want to be. Yeah. And I noticed that the fat when the hawk progresses really, really fast is when you're putting out as much game for it as possible. It's it's one to one, <laughs> right? It's one to one. And they more. they start figuring out they they are they are so intelligent. They figure things out. Yeah. Uh, they they start to understand what your behavior is and. 
and then they get to enjoy the whole experience as well and get to carry on. I mean, if you plan on releasing your bird, they get to carry on those skills throughout their life on their own. It's, sure. it's amazing. Yeah. No, I mean, I think there's a lot of good that is done for the hawk in falconry if the bird is hunted regularly and yeah. sketching game. And then it is virtually identical to a wild hawk. That's kind of the goal that you exactly. that you hope for is that, that you've got it as fit as a wild hawk and, and as, it is... Um, or even more fit. Or, or even more fit. In <laughs> yeah. some cases, certainly, um, you know, you, you can you can you can train a hawk that'll do things that a wild hawk won't do or can't yeah. do. And um, but for me, I'm I'm satisfied. And this is you know another component of the book is uh, is how to define success for yourself, right? Um, mm -hmm. And uh, you know, for me, falconry being a hunting sport, the reasonable goal is that I intend to hunt and catch something every hunt. Right, like that's, um, and so I have a little formula in there, and it's about it's about intended quarry per hunt, right? It's and and, and it should be something like one to one, uh, on average over the end of the end of the season, and um, and that's the goal that I shoot for. And sometimes you're going to exceed exceed it, and sometimes you don't quite reach it, but you, what you know when you've approached it, when you've you know you're at 0.7 you know per per hunt or 0.8 per hunt or one per hunt or mm -hmm. 1.5. Um, essentially, you know your bird's catching stuff on a regular basis, mm -hmm. and that you intend to catch stuff on a regular basis. Uh, there's a, you know, there's a line that I had had read in one of the early falconry books that I had read about uh, this crusty old falconer, and and uh, <laughs> and he he looks at somebody else's bird and he goes, yeah, well, you know, the acid test though is does it catch anything, and and that kind of, you know, calls BS on 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 a whole lot of falconry. Um, you know, you can have a beautiful bird, there's some exotic, you know, hawk eagle or some beautiful white deer falcon or some, or a kestrel or a red tail. And, and you can be super proud of it, but at the end of the day, does that thing catch stuff? Uh, mm -hmm. And if it doesn't catch stuff, that puts you in a, you know, that's, it's, it's sort of, you know. What's the hawk, or what's, what's the what, bird what, actually learning? What, well, it, but yeah, what are you too. doing, really, yeah. with it? And, um, and not to, you know, uh, uh, be harsh on, on, on people's different approaches to falconry, um, there should be a line in the sand uh, at some point. And that line in the sand should be, that hawk catches stuff. Um, and if it doesn't catch stuff, you should know you're not doing it right, right? Mm -hmm. Like you, th there's a learning curve and, and everybody's on one side or the other of the learning curve and, and, and you can get better at it. And maybe you're not catching as much as you want, or maybe you have yet to catch something, but you should want to. <laughs> and, and if you don't want to, you're in the wrong sport. But, but we want to make, there, there are still a lot of falconers, early falconers that are trying so hard to catch game. And that's yes. not really who we're talking about. It's about people who aren't taking their birds out. They're not. Oh, absolutely. <coughs> Excuse me. Yeah. Uh, they're not taking their birds out. They're not putting in the time to to hunt with their with their animals. They're probably well, there, more and there are glorified pet keepers than. <laughs> and there, there's there's some people who start out uh, that that need to work a little bit harder too. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm and I and I. I've got nothing, you know, nothing bad to say about anybody learning anything complicated like falconry, or even mm -hmm. uh, you know those of us who have been in the sport long enough needing a standard that we should still meet. Right, yeah. like you don't get to rest on your laurels. Um, if you if you really want to hunt, it's always going to take work. It's always going to take you know thought process. It's always going to take having your your ducks in a row. Uh, sometimes Absolutely. literally, right? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> if you want to catch them, sometimes you got to oh, have man. them and they got to be in a row. And mm -hmm. um, and so and so that's you know sort of those things that define my sport. I want to I want to I want to get the hawk in in condition and and in position 
and, and catch game. Um, and I won't always succeed, but, uh, but if I don't succeed, like my friend Spence Weiss says, well, I wasn't a Falconer today. Uh, <laughs> tomorrow, maybe I'll be a Falconer. Today, I was not a Falconer. Uh, yes. Um, what, would, what would be, say, one of the best advice for, for an uh, early Falconer? I, I mean, I'm still an early Falconer, too. I'm still an apprentice right now. I'm, I'm approaching the end of my second year. Yeah. And uh, they're trying hard to catch game. We're kind of right in the beginning of the season where a lot of new Falconers have just got their hawks and trying to get them entered, right. trying right. to set up some game. What's some advice yeah. that you can give to those those uh, early falconers. Well, um, you should avail yourself of, of, of the of the experience and advice that you that you that you have around you. Um, find find falconers who are experienced, who are actually succeeding at the thing that you want to do. So, don't go and do it alone, right? Like, don't 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 make it hard on yourself. Um, if, if if you want to hunt rabbits and and you've got a, a rabbit guru, a guy or or a gal who, who who hunts every day and comes home with rabbits every day, do what they do. Right, figure it out. Ask them if you can't recognize what it is that you're doing differently than they're doing. Um, get them to come out with you and say, "Hey, what am I doing wrong?" Um, you know, my my view, uh, and this is you know, with regard to the book, you know, what you're doing wrong is going to be one of those four things, typically. Um, so figure that out first too. Like, do you have enough game? Uh, you know, are you keeping your bird's talons sharp? Um, you know, does it come back to you when you call it? Can you get it in position if you want it to? Uh, and do you know how to to, to manage a slip? You know, do you know what a good slip looks like, um, mm -hmm. and and what are the components of that slip? And those things are things that that an experienced falconer can teach you just by watching. If you just go out with somebody who ends up with something in the bag, you know, uh, you'll learn a, a lot more than you know than, than reading any book. Um, but uh, but don't just you know knock your head against the wall uh, indefinitely. You know, figure out somebody who's doing it right. And go out and, and watch them. Uh, read a book that 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 is is designed to help you catch game. You know, rather like than the four falconry fundamentals. Like four falconry <laughs> fundamentals. Yes, so well said, and I appreciate you for saying it. Um, but you know, like don't don't get don't get lost in the tiny details about the about the the width of the flanges on the jets. Right. Yeah. Like that's not that's not going to be your problem. Um, your problems are, are, are bigger and, and, and easier and, and, and more, and more uh, you know, sort of universal than that. Um, but the, the bright side of that is they're easier to solve. Yeah. Uh, these are not, it's not rocket science, man. Uh, putting a rabbit in the bag is not rocket science, but it does require uh, some fundamentals. Um, and get out there as much as you, you can. You've got to get out there. You've got to get there a lot. And if you don't have, you know, much game, you've got to get out there even more often. Mm -hmm. If you've got a lot of game, maybe you don't need to get out there as much. You know, it's really, it's a numbers game. Um, how many slips, you know, a, a kill is equal to X number of slips, right? So you, you know, in the wild, the hawks catch about, you know, between 25 and say 75% of what they go after, depending mm -hmm. on the species of hawk and the, and the species of game it's going after. Um, but, but, but even under the best scenario, they're not catching every one. So, so you have to figure out how many do I have to see in a field how many do I have to flush? How many are they going to chase? And how many of those do they catch? Well, you've winnowed yourself down to you know catching one out of ten, essentially. You know, ten. That's actually my ratio. <laughs> yes. No. That's Mine is about ten percent. Right. We we catch and 
since my hawk's caught 14, that means I've given her around 140 slips. Yes, you know, that's, a, that's great and insight. It, and it took 140 yes. slips to just get her those 14 rabbits exactly that right. exactly contributed right. to her success. So, so this is an important lesson that you've already learned that a lot of people don't learn, is that like for every, for every catch that you make, I've really had to work super hard and flush a lot of game. And that's not a failure on your part. That is the way the world works, right? That's the way falconry yeah. works. And, and you can still have a successful, uh, wonderful time out with your hawk, even if they don't catch anything, but if they're doing everything right, they're coming back when they need to, they're setting themselves yeah. up in the right position, they're going after game consistently, you might go home empty-handed, but your hawk did everything it did to do to, well, to, I, for I, success, and, yeah, I, and, and gone that's home, still great. <laughs> having gone home empty-handed uh, before, um, I can tell you that you don't want to you don't want to call yourself a failure for doing it. Uh, but no, you, not at all. But you should you should feel a little bit chagrined. You should feel a little bit annoyed. Oh uh, yeah, and, and I think that helps motivate you to get back out there. Absolutely. Like today, I didn't I didn't see any rabbits when we went out, and it was frustrating. And now I just want to get back out there tomorrow morning and find some. Yeah, but you're not going to so go great. back to exactly the same place. Oh heck no! Right. <laughs> See, this is the, this is the lesson that you learn, right? You know, you know what you. No, missed, I'm gonna right? I'm gonna go to a different spot yes. and hope that the rabbits are there. Right. Uh, for whatever reason, they moved out of that area, and that that happens. One day a field right. could be great, and the next it's horrible. Yeah. Well, this is why you know uh, the number of fields you need to have is way more than you think you need to have. Yeah. So a lot of people. Um, well, tonight I heard uh, from a falconer who has not yet trapped his first bird that, um, you know, he's, uh, he said, well, I can hunt in my front yard because I see a rabbit there. And, and this is, you know, this is the commonest fallacy and misunderstanding is like you see one rabbit in your front yard that is not a season make, right? You can't build a whole season on the one rabbit. Even if you caught that rabbit, you'd need another rabbit, right, if you wanted uh -huh. to catch two. So normally once you catch one or a few, those rabbits know there's going to be a hawk nearby yes, pretty regularly right. and they're going to leave that area. Right. And you, so you <laughs> need, you know, you need tons of rabbits, tons yeah. of spots. You need to be able to switch spots because some days inexplicably there's no rabbits. It's going to happen. Uh, and, and so having a, a backup field and then a backup field to your backup field and then a backup field to that. Absolutely. Uh, that you can switch off. So. Yeah. And uh, I love, uh, some, some falconers don't like keeping track of numbers with, with their at like how many they catch. I mean, there's a, I mean, we have to report it every year. So yeah. we have, we do keep track of the numbers so that we can report it. Uh, but what I love about keeping track of the numbers, it helps motivate me to get out in the field. It's like if I have a goal to get 60 rabbits before the season ends, this means I have to get somewhere between two to three rabbits a week. Yeah. If I haven't hit that goal, I'm back out in the field as fast as I can. And, and it helps get my bird out more, it helps her hunt more, she benefits from it, I enjoy it more. I think so, it's great to so, have those healthy goals. Right, no, I, I, I mean, catching game is a healthy goal, absolutely. Um, the, pr the problem, from my perspective, with, yeah. with, a, with like an end goal of an X number, yeah. is, that, is that you may not be able to reach it, does not mean that you weren't successful if every other day up to that you were catching game. Right? Mm -hmm. Like, uh, you know, you may have a disaster, uh, which means you don't reach 60, but your bird was catching, you know, uh, uh, eight out of every 10 hunts, yeah. right? So uh, you were kind of approaching that, that, that one kill per hunt uh, average. And so it's the, you know, for me, that's, that's my goal, is to be able to look back at it at the end of every month, and I do this at the end of every month in my notes. Uh, I do, I mean, I can tell you how many I catch, just because I have to have that number in order yep. to make this number. 
but but the number I'm going for is like you know 1.2, 1.5. That's that's you know on average mm -hmm. one and a half kills per hunt. You know, yeah. or, or you so know, you're three saying kills it's, for it's, every two hunts. It's good to have those number goals, but don't get too absorbed in it, right. and don't and don't get too worried if you fall somewhat short of those goals. You, you um, want it, the, but as long standard. as as long as you are catching game, as long as you're catching game, <laughs> that's the standard that I think is 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 reasonable to have. And it and and what it helps you with is like, let's say you catch sixty with with one bird, but you don't, but you but you only flew the next bird for two months. Well, how do you compare those birds? Well, one only caught twelve. And one caught 60, but but they both caught, you know, 0 0.8 uh, head a game per hunt. Yeah. You know, which means okay, they're both. I both did. I did about as well with each of them. You know, so uh, one of them I flew uh, say 15 times and caught 12 head, and and then I caught 60 head with the other one. But you you know you had a flew them a lot more. Right. <laughs> flew a lot more. Exactly right. But yeah. it gives you that uh, that common denominator. Yeah. Okay. I, I also, I would say don't compare your numbers with other people. No. Because everybody's no. going to have different right. situations, different birds, uh, different fields where they're going to get yes. different amounts of slip, right. different quarry. It's going to vary so much and and especially when you're when you're thinking of other falconers in, in other places of the world or, right. or the country. Yeah. Well, this don't, is, don't your goal is basically just just kind of for you and your bird. <laughs> yeah. So I, I mean there's some people that you can't talk about numbers with at all. Right? Yeah, they don't like it. Right. But I it's it's okay. I think it's great to, to have that to, if it helps motivate you get your bird out. Oh, absolutely. Especially. And there's a legitimate argument to be made for somebody who's hunting a very difficult quarry under the most strenuous conditions. They're just and there's and and the, and the quarry is rare. I mean, so yeah. sage grouse. You're just not going to catch as many sage grouse as starlings with a kestrel, right? Yeah. So just the opportunities are not there. But I bet you, at the end of the season, Steve's Steve's doing one intended quarry per hunt or more on it. Oh yeah, he said he said if he went three days and didn't catch anything, he'd quit and just start right. hunting ducks. Yes. <laughs> exactly right. Yeah. Because, because he likes to catch every day. He, he's, yeah. His goal is to catch every day. And that's that's what I'm saying your standard should be. You should you should you should put your hawk in the truck, go to the field, expect to catch something. You know, if you don't, <coughs> might have been unavoidable. But um, but you should know why you didn't succeed and you should fix that and try again the next day. So um, to me, that's not unreasonable, and it doesn't mean that I have to catch 150 head this year. It just means I have to catch <laughs> something mostly every time I go out. And yeah, it doesn't have to absolutely. be 10 when I go out. You know, one on average means I did the thing. I, I completed the cycle. You know, um, and uh, and and generally speaking, that pleases the hawk tremendously. They, oh, they, yeah. they like to complete the cycle too. They yeah. like to. They, they like love to, to hunt. Chase, they love to fill catch, up their bellies. Right. They love to eat. I love to watch a hawk eat. I still. <laughs> From the first time I saw a hawk eat to yesterday, it's as much a thrill and a joy, you know, to, to make into my hawk and help it with Absolutely. the core and open it up and watch it eat. I love I it. I think that's what's so fascinating about um, carnivorous animals, mostly when you when you come across like birds of prey and reptiles in general. Um, you could you could tell a friend, hey, you want to come over and watch my bird eat, or do you yeah. want to come over and watch my snake eat, or a lizard, yeah. you know, whatever it is. But you never hear anybody going. Can you you want to come over and watch my dog eat? Like, right, right, right. <laughs> there's something just so fascinating about seeing an animal, uh, you know, be a predator, be right. being right. a carnivorous predator, being well, able to nice eat. I, I don't know. It's just it's so fascinating and cool. I don't know exactly what drives that. Right. 
mentality people, of wanting to see that. <laughs> but I mean, I think arguably people are predators, and we and we yeah. can appreciate that uh, when we look and see it done really well. Uh, <laughs> and hawks do it really well. Dogs, you know, in their in their context, do it really well. And um, and yeah, it's intrinsically exciting to to, yeah. to see. That. I think it's exciting yeah. to watch a dog hunt and work, but not so much watching them eat. Yeah, right. No, <laughs> where it's like where it's just, like really uh, cool yeah. to watch like a, right. a hawk or falcon eat. That's right. really cool. <laughs> um, Awesome. Well, I think we've kind of come to the end of yeah. our time now. No, I appreciate uh, this opportunity very much. No, thank you so much. Uh, do you mind saying what books you've written again and, and where yeah, people absolutely. can find those books? Yeah, thank you. So uh, so the new one is Four Falconry Fundamentals, uh, and, and that can, can you can buy that wherever you buy your falconry gear, uh, or you can get it at Amazon, uh, you know, uh, Amazon.com. Awesome. Um, under my name, uh, and and I've got two others. One is American Kestrels and Modern Falconry, uh, from Western Sporting, uh, in, in Sheridan, Wyoming, uh, and the other also from Western Sporting is In Season, uh, Louisiana Falconers Journal, and it's a it's a soup to nuts uh, journal for, of one season of my falconry. Um, awesome. You know everything that was caught, but not just a list of numbers. It's sort of my daily experience, who I met, and um, and uh, make trying to make a little story out of out of every day, um, and. Um, Anyways, uh, a falconer's journey, if, if you will, over the course of the season. Um, so those are my books, In Season, uh, American Kestrels and Modern Falconry, and the new one is, is Four Falconry Fundamentals. Awesome. Uh, Do you have any social media that you'd like to refer uh, Well, you're welcome to, to come into my uh, Facebook. Uh, I'm, I'm on Facebook uh, at, at, uh, at Matthew Mullinex, and, um, and also Four Falconry Fundamentals has a, has a Facebook page, too. Awesome. So come in and, and read more about it and uh, see the links and follow this, uh, this, this uh, journey that I'm doing around the country. Awesome. I, I can put your miles. I can put the link for the Facebook page in, in oh, the description there for you, so that you guys can easily find it. Yeah, wonderful. That's awesome. So, what are your what are your plans from here here on out? What well, I'm gonna uh, for this trip. I'm gonna go uh, to the publishers in Sheridan, Wyoming. Uh, I'll leave tomorrow. Awesome. Uh, I'll sign all the books. Uh, anybody who is. Uh, who's interested in having a signed book, if they order it between now and then, I'll sign it for them and inscribe it to them. And, uh, and the publisher's taking, taking your names and, and, uh, and having it ready for me when I get there. I, I expect a, I'll just be in a big room with a bunch of books and I'll be signing all day and, <laughs> and I'll be pleased to do that. Uh, after that, I've, I've got a couple more people to meet and, and, and some more mentors to, to thank. That's and, exciting. Uh, and then a trip home and, and, and be doing honeydews for the, <laughs> for the rest of the season probably to make up for it. Awesome. Well, thank you again so much for sitting down chat with me. Oh, you uh, wonderful experience to talk to you. I'm going to have to finish reading the four falconry fundamentals. <laughs> too. Uh, super cheap. You can download it on your phone if you want to. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I yeah. will most likely do that. Yeah. No, it's uh, $3.99 on, on Kindle. Oh, that yeah. is awesome. Well, again, thank you. you <laughs> I know I've said it so many times. Oh, and uh, have a wonderful night. And yep. you too. that wraps up you everything. Too.